¿Cómo está? Muy bien, ¿y tú? Hey. Hey. Arigato. Yeah, I mean, listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. We're going to move past that awkward intro, and we're going to, you guys, we're going to get better, I promise. We, you know what, we're going to have fun, if anything. Yeah. And listeners, we hope you have fun, too. If you're listening, you've probably heard of us before. So if not, this is a kind of weird episode to start on, but this is 13th Floor Podcast. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And we're here to talk about some things that are strange and weird, but you guys... Before we get started, happy Halloween. Yeah, Halloween special. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's gonna be fun. Um, we've we've got our jack-o'-lanterns carved and our daughter's got a little Halloween costume and we're gonna go trick-or-treating tonight. But before then, we'd uh we'd like to tell you a little bit about some spooky festivals that take place in on or around Halloween. Well, some are spooky. Some are not. This is a, this episode's pretty different for us. <laughs> Normally we tell horror stories, but this kind of time we're telling things that horror stories kind of surround sometimes. We don't really we don't talk about horror stories when we talk about t- like time travel. That's true. Yeah, we talk about things that are odd and fascinating. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. <sighs> fascinating is the name of the game, right? Yeah, fascinating. Um, we want our listeners to be transfixed by what we're saying that is the goal (laughs) Uh, james you haven't said hardly anything i'm worried about you james Uh, what's happened in your life (laughs) what has silenced Uh, you i don't know man (laughs) (laughs) you sound like the dude over there (laughs) yeah thanos molted yeah he molted and he's gotten bigger and uh he wants to kill He's never oh. killed anything before, but oh. he didn't want to eat for a while. I kept trying to feed him, and he's like, no. I was like, what's wrong with you? So then I was taking like the, the carcass out of his container, and he attacked it because it was moving. I was like, oh, you want to kill? Yeah, so he's ready. He's ready that's, to be a predator now. That's wow. dark, James. Uh, you, know what, yeah. you know what it reminded me of? It's, for me, it kind of like reminded me. Of a human who's going through transformation to become a vampire. Oh. Yeah. Doesn't want to eat. In a nutshell. Acting a little sickly. And then you put a corpse in front of him. There's Bleh. Yep. That's Thanos. That's Thanos. You guys. Icebreaker? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, we wow. haven't recorded in a while. So I'm a little off my game. Because last week, Alex and I were on vacation in Destin, Florida. Yeah. For it. Rain for a couple of days. Rain for one day. Don't be over dramatic. <laughs> you don't remember the day we sat on the beach and it was sprinkling the whole time, and you were just there sitting there shivering the whole time. I do remember that. Okay. <laughs> I do. Okay, it rained couple... two days. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, do you have any exciting stories? James has Thanos. What about you? Have you seen any new movies? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually not going to say anything about a movie uh... this time. <laughs> It's like a conscious effort. I brought uh, it up, though. I had a police officer very angrily throw his hands up like, what the hell are you doing? To you? To me today, yeah. Alex, what the hell? <laughs> I was tur- I was making a turn, and someone had driven off of, like, not a cliff, but a pretty big ravine. I did- I saw the car, but I didn't see the, like, the guy around the curve, and he got mad at me because I didn't see him. So everybody oh. was fine. All right. But I was very annoyed because I could have easily gone around that cop. 
Oh, <laughs> Alex. Um, I don't. I mean, I just I've been busy with work. Hmm. Not oh. too too interesting. Alex and I did a breakout game when we were in Florida, and we broke out. Oh, neat. Two breakout games. We just just tell me about the one. Okay, okay. one <laughs> breakout. Out, game. Oh my god, we broke out of one. <laughs> break out of two. Uh, okay, <laughs> are you guys ready for our icebreaker? Let's get back on a topic, shall we? Icebreaker. And Alex gave it to me this week because I had an idea. And since we're talking about, I'm going to be talking about Dia de los Muertos. Alex, what are you talking about? The Obon Festival. The Obon Festival in Japan. And James, what are you talking about? Samhain, the Celtic uh, precursor for Halloween. All right, beautiful. So I'm going to be starting us off. I thought you said sa- salmon. <laughs> <laughs> it, some, some do pronounce it kind of like sa- Samhain. Like Samhain. Yeah, there's Samhain, Samhain, Samhain. It's Celtic's weird. But, you guys, since I'm talking about Dia de los Muertos, I kind of have a Dia de los Muertos-themed icebreaker. Cool. Are, are Good idea. Okay, so a big part of the holiday, and James already knows this. I'm sure a lot of our listeners also know this. But a big part of the holiday is the ofrenda, which is an altar that people build in their house. And they decorate it for their deceased loved ones, like with flower, uh, tissue paper flowers and food and pictures and water. And it's basically, it's put up to guide their loved one's souls home. It's like, we're welcoming you back. So families will leave little mementos. And some of the things that people will, they'll leave things that remind them of their family. You guys, if you hadn't a friend built for you, what do you think would be the most important thing that someone would put on it to be like, hey. This is slightly morbid. <laughs> yeah. Well, hmm. yeah. We're, so it's Halloween. Dead, what it's, do you want on your... It's Halloween. Let's talk about something creepy. Okay. Gumbo and spiders. You you just want a tank full of spiders. Yeah. Gumbo and spiders. Yeah. <laughs> gumbo and spiders. What about a spider gumbo? No. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Now that's morbid, Alex. That sounds pretty horrifying. Oh, yeah. that sounds, oh, um, James, mm-hmm. have you ever eaten a spider? I haven't. I'm not totally averse to it, but it would be a little weird given that I got pet ones. Yeah, that you love them so much. Yeah. I ate a scorpion in the middle of a sucker once. Huh? There you yeah. go. Oh, really? Yeah. I am, yeah, I'm actually really shocked here because uh, I, uh, I, <laughs> you normally don't even go for like, a normal food that you don't particularly, I mean, wow. <laughs> I know, I'm a, I'm a weenie with food, but it, our bio, my biology teacher in high school was like, if anybody will eat this, you get an A on the next test. Uh, I needed that A. Wow. So I, I wow. ate the scorpion. Okay. It was inside a grape-flavored sucker, which is actually really good. <laughs> but I did gag a little when I bit into the... Scorpion. Was it just crunchy, I guess? It was just cr- crunchy. I don't remember what it tasted like. I think I probably blacked out. But <laughs> All right. What, what would be on your thing? Oh, you know, I, I thought of this question and I didn't think of an answer. <laughs> you, you want me? Oh, you, so, oh you so the person you just asked it to has to think of the answer. Yeah, right. you go. Uh, it would probably just be like a... <laughs> it'd probably just be like a... <laughs> that was a pregnant pause. Yeah. <laughs> pregnant pause. It was a pregnant pause. Uh, it'd probably just be like Spider Man. 
Spider-Man comic Riding book. a dinosaur. <laughs> I think, you know, I could see, I could see, this is what I would put on your front uh, if I had to, to make one for you. Oh, here we go. My wife <laughs> planning my demise. No, I would put mm. a Godzilla statue. Oh, okay. Yes. I would <sighs> put a picture of you and our daughter. And I would also put your Stanley signed Spider-Man comic book. Ah, that's a good call. Man. Yeah, you, you did a better one for me than than you did for yourself. Yeah, I've got thoughts. I've got yeah. ideas. Um, for myself, it would be a picture of me and little baby G, and mm-hmm. oh, probably I'm trying to think of like what's the most precious item to me because I'm not a very like materialistic person. You wear that pink jacket a lot. What's your favorite food? You guys forgot about the food. Oh, yeah. You got to put a food on there. I also put pizza. Oh, yeah. It would be just smothered in pizza. Smothered. It would just be cheese dripping off of everything. I would put a a bowl of ice cream, which James, by the way. You have to keep cool. No, it'll be be melted by the time I get there, by the time my soul arrives. (laughs) Uh, Well, then what good is it going to do you? I would still eat it. Would you? Or would you go to someone else's house that has frozen ice cream? No, I would I would eat it. But if they have a bowl of ice cream sitting out for me, they probably have more in the freezer. Uh, so yeah. I would choose ice cream. And James, I got to try Tillamook yesterday. Oh, birdie. Yeah, uh, delicious, creamy, yeah. flavorful. Oh, my gosh. This was two days after she said she was dropping sugar. I said I was going on a diet, and then I <laughs> I went to the grocery store. And James, listeners, Tillamook is a, it's a type of it's a dairy brand, but James has been telling me to try their ice cream for probably two years. Yeah, probably. And finally, I, I found it, and yeah, yeah it's funny because I'm like walking around the store. I'm like, I'm not going to get any ice cream. I walk down the ice cream aisle. I'm like, no way. And then as I'm checking out, I'm standing in line, I turn around, <laughs> and there's a freaking freezer full of Tillamook ice cream that's on sale for six fifty. Uh, I was like, this is just like, God's testing me. I failed. Yes, yeah, I, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> but it was delicious and worth it. So I would have a bowl of Tillamook ice cream, a picture, and probably maybe my purse. <laughs> Oh, wow. This got sad quick. No, no. I know I would have my camera. <laughs> my camera. <laughs> okay, yeah, your it, camera. It did. It got a little sad there for a second. What would you put on my ofrenda? Probably your camera. I guess the ice cream is probably good. I would have probably put like some sort of pasta. Oh, I love pasta. Uh, and then I guess a picture of a loved one. Make it sad. Oh, maybe my Jimmy Bear, too. Yeah, but Jimmy Bear, he's like infested with dust bites. Yeah, I need to wash him. He's, a, you guys, he's a stuffed animal that I've had since I was like in high school. Where's it at now? Is it in Gwen's room? No, it's in the washing room. It's in the laundry room. It's been in there for a while now. <sighs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, you guys, are we ready to hop into the topic and talk about festivals? Festivals for the rest of us. There's, <laughs> there's a, it's amazing how universal festivals of the dead are. And it's a, even more amazing that they all tend to, fall this same time of year uh just about every civilization has some equivalent and next year we'll probably cover some more like next year we might cover petri paksha or the ghost festival in china um oh petri paksha's indian by the way stuff like that so yeah stay tuned for next year's episode yeah. only 12 months away okay so <laughs> i'm gonna kick us off you guys with dia de los muertos we're gonna talk about the ofrenda but you guys, where did I get my information for this 
this segment. You went to Mexico. Uh, did you read it directly off of Wikipedia? I did not, actually. I didn't visit <laughs> Wikipedia one time. Thank you very much. I learned it from my second grade teacher. What? Yeah. Nice. A lot of this knowledge is from elementary school. Which did you reach out Usually, the public school system fails me, but it didn't in the, <laughs> the realm of Dia de los Muertos. So, my second grade teacher, National Geographic, and also Reader's Digest. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cece was looking up this stuff. I looked over at a computer, and it said, what demographic are the people that read Reader's Digest? You want to know why I looked that up? That was so odd to look over and see you typing that. There's a reason behind it. I went to the doctor's office once and there was a Reader's Digest sitting on the table for anybody to read. So I picked up and I started reading it. And then this guy next to me laughed at me and he was like, my grandma reads that. Actually, I, I thought was I was like, thinking the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, the demographic is not just for older folk, uh-huh. James, because <laughs> okay. I read it. It was a very interesting article about true crime. So anyways, Reader's Digest. Did you guys learn about Dia de los Muertos when you were in school? A little bit. Or was it just me? Yeah, in Spanish class. I, mean, I took Spanish, yeah. so yeah. In Spanish class? Did you guys have to pick out Spanish names for yourself like I yes. did? Yep. I was, wait, are you going to guess? <laughs> I mean, I guess you were Alejandro. No. What were you? Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> oh, my God. James, who were you? I, mine I never got to pick. It was always either Jaime or Santiago, which are both kind of variations. Santiago's a variation of... Of James, yeah. Yeah. St. James. I oh, Okay. I was just always Cecilia, but my Spanish teacher was from Barcelona, so he like pronounced it with a list. Oh, right. So he always called me, yeah, Cecilia. It's a very flamboyant <laughs> language. It's beautiful, though. Dia de los Muertos. If you learned about it in school, you probably know the basics of the holiday. It's a festival. We've said that many times today. It takes place each year in November, so it doesn't ha- actually happen on Halloween, our Halloween at least, uh, but it takes place on November 1st and November 2nd. And each day is devoted to celebrating the lives of loved ones who have passed on. November 1st is Dia de los Inocentes, and it's meant for celebrating children who have passed away. And November 2nd is Dia de los Muertos, meant for celebrating adults. Hmm. So many people kind of associate the holiday with like just Mexico, but it's actually celebrated all over the world and throughout Latin America. And a lot of cities, like, there are a lot of cities in California that celebrate it. But the celebration can actually be traced back centuries. Centuries, you guys. That's older than mine. I didn't realize how old this tradition was. But the Mayan and Aztec civilizations had a similar annual ritual where they paid homage to family and friends that have passed beyond the veil. <laughs> but their celebration was a little bit different because it's believed to have lasted an entire month. So it wasn't just two days. You guys, they partied hard. It occurred during summer corn harvest. It somehow makes it creepy. <laughs> Why does it make it creepy, James? I don't know. Maybe children of the corn? I'm not sure. Yeah, they didn't have that back then, I don't think. True. But everyone came together to pay their respects to the dead. FYI, they used real skulls when they celebrated. Like, they would hold the skulls of loved ones in their hands and, like, march around and parade and, like, party. They, like, talk with them like puppets. Like, oh, hi, They do talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, but they also gave props to the Queen of the Underworld. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I looked it up ten times. I heard her listening to the pronunciation on Metikachuala. Can I give it a shot? Yeah, give it, a, give it a shot. Oh, that is a doozy. <laughs> yeah. Metikachuatl. Chuatl. This is what, that's literally what all flippin' Aztec words sound like, by the way. They all end in waddle. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, I don't know, but try saying that name three times fast. <laughs> we all, we all know that pronunciation isn't my game, but the celebration was eventually whittled down to two short days. When the conquistadors crashed the party. Huh. Yeah, they tried to convert the natives to Catholicism. The celebration now coincides with All Saints Day and All Souls Day on November 1st. November 2nd, which is, they're both Christian holidays. Yeah. In case you didn't know. But the modern celebration, which I'm sure isn't anything like the celebration of centuries past. Today, it's basically just a big party at a cemetery. It's a whole bunch of parades. And when I started researching this, you, you want to know the first thing I did? You watched Coco, the movie. No, I actually read that to Gwen tonight the before co- bed. Oh, the Coco book? Yeah, the Coco book. <laughs> the Pixar movie, you guys. That's what we're talking about, what we're mentioning there. But no, I looked up the opening scene to Spectre. Oh, really? Yeah, I That's watched cool. it. It was really oh, cool. Yeah. It's not like it is. I mean, it's obviously Dia de los Muertos because it's everywhere. Everyone's dressed up as skeletons and stuff. But. It's not as colorful as the actual celebration. The movie kind of tones it down. Because most people in the movie, I didn't realize, are in black and white. Oh, yeah. Interesting. That's the best part of that whole movie. I know. Intro. It really is. Right? I, yeah. That is Man. a darn good movie. Well, no. Yeah. It's okay. <sighs> We've got movie critic over here next to me. All he's been doing lately is watching mm. monster movies, James. Godzilla. Not shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan. Ma- I listened to your episode about Ghidorah today. Are we, are we getting a live review? Yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys. <laughs> we're going to veer off the topic of Dia de los Muertos for just one second. And I'm going to give mad props to my hubby here, not just because he's my husband, but because he's actually producing a really good podcast. Yeah. Monsters called- versus Men. That's it. Yeah. It's all about Godzilla and monster movies. So if you want to listen to that, I do give it. To give it two thumbs up because I am not a Godzilla fan, but I do like the podcast. All right. Mm-hmm. Non biased opinion agree. right here. James, do you like it? I do, yeah. Yeah, you guys. Oh, you listen to it, James? And I swear, Neely's got a flipping voice for radio. Dude, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's it, really good at it. He's really good. Okay, so let's get back on the topic, shall we? Friends and family gather for D. De los Muertos together. Oftentimes, around the graves, of their loved ones. And they leave little gifts and trinkets and mementos. And they, they'll clean their loved one's graves. It's kind of like an annual like, cleaning fest too. So yeah. they – and they'll just swap stories about the wonderful memories they had with their loved ones. It's kind of sweet, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a terrific way to view death instead of as, as a grim thing. It's really such a wonderful celebration. It's it's something that's on my to-do list. I would definitely want to visit the uh, – uh, Mexican City for DLA Smarters at least once. You guys, we should go next year. Yeah. Let's go party. I def- Oh, man. I want to eat Calavaras de Azucar. I want to eat them so bad. <laughs> sugar skull. So, okay. So I have yeah. to say, <laughs> this is a sugar skull. A sugar skull. But 
I'm sure everybody's probably seen a picture of Dia de los Muertos celebrations where oh, they, yeah. they artfully paint their faces to look like skulls and they dress up in fancy suits and dresses. Uh, and they, they build little altars called ofrendas, which I spoke about earlier. And they'll give the little offerings to their deceased loved ones, often in the form of like baked goods and sugar skulls, as James just said. So the holiday is a pretty big deal. It's just a loud, fun, colorful, very thoughtful and sweet celebration. It, it sounds sinister, like when you hear Day of the Dead, but yeah. it's not at all. It's a good way to remember and pay respect to your deceased loved ones. Yeah. Okay, you guys. Mm. So let's get back to um, the majesty that is Reader's Digest, okay? <laughs> they had a really great list of like spooky facts. Did you subscribe? I'm not saying I didn't, (laughs) but they had a great list of spooky facts about Dia de los Muertos that I think everyone will find pretty interesting. Spooky facts? Just interesting facts. Some of them are spooky, I guess. But fun fact number one, you guys know how earlier I mentioned some women will dress up and they're called, they're called uh, Calavera Katrina where they dress up with their, they paint their face and then they wear like a very, kind of like a Victorian fancy dress and hat. That tradition was started basically based upon like a mocking joke. Oh, really? Yeah. In the early 1900s, a printmaker named Jose Guadalupe Posada drew a skull-faced lady wearing a fancy European hat meant to be old queen of the underworld. Her name. Her. And... He drew it to kind of like mock and bring attention to the fact that some native people were becoming more concerned with wearing like European clothes and trying to conform to that kind of culture than celebrating their own heritage. Mm -hmm. But over time, La Calaveras Katrina got way popular and it just became a part of Dia de los Muertos festivals. Interesting. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So fun fact numero dos. Monarch butterflies, you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go, James. Are they, in, are they inspiration for the colors? They're, or Well, they're very special. Didn't you, don't you remember the first episode of the Venture Brothers, Alex? Yeah. Monarch. Yeah, the butterflies. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> well, the monarch butterflies, <laughs> their migration down south during the cold winter months often occurs around Dia de los Muertos. So those who celebrate the holiday kind of view monarch butterflies as being their loved ones' souls who are coming home, which okay. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that alone would be worth a trip. Oh, it'd be so nice to see all those butterflies hanging from the trees. Have you guys seen any monarch butterflies lately? Bunch. I, you know, I have too, and it'd been a long time since I'd seen any, but I saw uh, one agreed. when I was in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. This year, uh, I've seen many more butterflies than I have most years. I think I saw Especially them. monarchs. Monarchs are beautiful. Uh-huh. All right. Last fun fact I will leave you with. It has to do with one of our favorite diversified multinational mass media and entertainment conglomerates. Okay. <laughs> Disney. Mm. And I know earlier, a couple minutes ago, Alex and I yes. mentioned Coco. Did you guys know that in 2013... Disney tried to trademark the phrase Dia de los Muertos. No. Really? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, that's kind of like LeBron trying to trademark Taco Tuesday. Did he really try to trademark that? Yes. Well. Uh, Umbrella got nothing on Disney. Yeah, we'll talk about LeBron later, but Disney. What? Well, you said LeBron James. (laughs) 
That's all. That's all I was gonna say about him. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I got excited. I was like, "Wait a minute! Is this making a recurrence?" It'd, okay. it'd be funny if LeBron played into all of our stories. <laughs> I bet you anything. <laughs> but yeah, but Disney. Are you? I mean, I'm. I guess I'm not really surprised that they tried to trademark this because it's Disney. But they wanted to to do it ahead of the release of the movie Coco. Uh, for merchandising purposes, but everyone on social media was like, what the hell? And they put up a big stink, understandably so. Yeah. Yeah, and they got 21,000 plus signatures on a change.org petition telling Disney to just stop it. Yeah, I mean, Disney never would have got that anyway. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, it could have even been reverse marketing. Like, and then we'll turn back and say, just kidding, and everyone will love us again. That's exactly what happened, James. Mm. They said, all right. Fine. And they withdrew the request. So, you guys, you can say Dia de los Muertos without getting sued. Oh, thank God. By Disney. I can say a holiday's name without being yeah, sued. Yeah, you can print it up on a t-shirt. Well, mate, that'll be, it'll be in the 13th floor podcast shop whenever we <laughs> have some merchandising. Just a shirt that says Dia de los Muertos. We'll just go to Walmart and buy one and sell it because we don't have anyone to make our merchandise yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but maybe someday. So, you guys, if you're listening to this podcast on the day that we release it, Halloween, it means you're not too late to celebrate Dia de los Muertos. So, go grab yourself a pan de muerto and a bottle of tequila and go have yourself a picnic at the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> but try not to do it too much in America because you might get arrested. You might, Yeah, they're probably going to lock up the cemetery when it starts to get dark outside. So, you might have to go hide behind a tree. Right. And make sure you take <laughs> make sure you take a sponge and a bucket of water so you can clean off your loved one's grave. And also, you guys take them marigolds because marigolds are symbolic too. Really? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful flowers. That's all I have on Dia de los Muertos right now. Do you guys have any questions for me? No, that's pretty mm. interesting though. But what's really interesting is how similar both of ours are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of similarities between yours and mine. Uh, and my, I'm doing Japan's Obon Festival. I don't know anything about it, but I feel like you just saying that means that I already know about it. You so. know a lot about it. You just didn't know it. Hmm? All right, give it to me. All right, I'm going to throw some gobbledygook kind of in terms of the origin of this. Yeah. I don't understand all the words. <laughs> Obon is shortened from the word Olabana, and Obon is... It's is Sanskrit for hanging upside down. Hanging upside down? Which implies suffering. And the Japanese, in order to alleviate some of the suffering, that's where this festival has come from. So they're mm. alleviating the suffering of people by... By this festival. Okay. This, this whole festival, which is almost just like yours. Do they... Paint up their faces like skulls? No, they don't. They, they, theirs is a little more formal. They wear yukatas, which are those traditional Japanese garb that I think everyone's seen, especially in older movies. Do you know what a yukata is, Cece? No, I don't. I'll like look those it up. robes, like the robes that they wear that are like it's very... It's kind of like a real fancy, big-sleeved kimono with floral patterns and yes. associated with a femininity. Okay. Yeah. If you yeah. just said kimono, it, it, I would know. Anytime someone thinks of, uh, no, of a geisha, a that's what they're wearing. Is a, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just something like that. I got that. you there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and apparently it was originally 
always celebrated on the 15th day of the seventh month of the lunar calendar. So this thing goes back 500 years. This, this goes back before the wide use of the Gregorian calendar. But now, like the start dates are, they're kind of all over the place. I was looking at the start dates for this year, and this year it started on the 15th. Of October? Of August. Oh. It started on the 25th last year. And in 2021, it starts on the 22nd. But next year, it starts over two weeks later from this year. So this year was August 15th. Next year is September 2nd. I want to know who chooses these dates. Well, apparently it got thrown out of whack when the Gregorian calendar was implemented. And so did they just have... Yeah, lunar calendars are different. Yeah. And so now I believe it still sticks to more of a lunar calendar. Oh, okay. More closer to a lunar calendar yeah. than a, clearly than a Gregorian. For some it's reason, just whatever they want it to be, almost. I just pictured like an Oban council that they're like, okay, this year let's just do it on the twenty second of August, and then next year <laughs> we can do it on well, I don't know September second. Yeah, it, it kind of reads like that, doesn't it? Well, especially when you're like two weeks and a few days away from each other yeah. over one year. But here's the story of what really, or what supposedly started the uh, Oban Festival. A man named Mokarin was a disciple of Buddha, and he used supernatural powers to look and kind of like check in on his deceased mother, only to find out that she was being plagued by the realm of hungry ghosts, which is just like this realm of beings that are driven by their desires and they have nothing else. Like it's like a kind of go. It kind of sounds like uh, some of the stuff we talked about in our near death experience episode. And so he was really disturbed. Mm -hmm. And so he reached out to Buddha. He's like, yo Buddha, give me some tips to help my ma. And he was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so what he did is he instructed him to make offerings on specific days. So it's on the 15th and the uh, 15th of the seventh month. And so he did this. And he saw his mother's release. And so now this is a festival that has arisen from those actions. And he, he did an offering on the 15th. And then a couple days later, he did another one. I left that out. And what was his name? Mokarin. Mokarin. So did he just like tell his friends like, hey, guys, Buddha told me to do this. And then everyone started doing it. Yeah. And so he did it. And he found that his mother was released and was able to her spirit was able to be guided to a happier realm to a happier place yes that's sweet and so now we've got the oban festival and because of this celebration there's been this dance it's been called the bon odori or the bond dance which is apparently this big dance that they do all across japan uh during this festival but the interesting thing is each area of japan has their own dance and their own music and everyone celebrates this festival slightly differently differently yeah going from area to area so like tokyo is not gonna celebrate this the same as any other area so if you want to get like the full oban experience you need to go back every year to a different city to a different place so like the countryside like one countryside is going to celebrate differently than a neighboring countryside. Like that's how different these celebrations are. So what are some of the differences? They've got got a skeletal similarity between all of them. Okay. Yeah. 
And that brings me to the first day, which is called Mukebe. And it's the practice of the first day they burn these bright fires. And it's to guide the spirits home. It's like, hey, we're here. Come see us. All of all the family gathers around. They all get together. It's a big family reunion. That's very similar to the ofrenda because they put candles on the the altar. Yeah, and this, and this is a three day holiday. This is a three day holiday, and so everybody's coming home, getting together for a big welcoming. They get the fire going. The spirits of the of the family return home, and they decorate the deceased altar. Sound familiar? That sounds like with so familiar. Yeah, but they do it with uh, fruits. Mm-hmm. Flowers, sweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the booze. Yeah, yeah, booze. And so they get all that ready. They also go out and clean. Clean? Clean the graves. Oh my goodness, this sounds identical. Yep, yep. They clean the graves. And the rural areas also have an additional tradition that's kind of becoming more widespread. And that's the use of cucumbers and eggplants and making animals <laughs> this is james you this makes you very excited doesn't it this specific cucumber yeah, i fact. love that i want to do that why don't yeah. you do it james well i mean it's already technically happening but now i will say some of the pictures i saw were like they didn't even try <laughs> because it's an eggplant and a cucumber <laughs> with broken chopsticks going into for the legs and the feet and that's it it's just it's not like a sculpted does it Anything. have to be? Well, yeah. You know, but it this could is, be. It's, yeah, it's it's symbolic. It's, yeah. it's, uh, do you know what about the symbolism? Yeah, uh, it, well, it's, it's they're just supposed to be symbolizing a horse that's going to like guide the spirits home, right? Right. Well, the the logic is uh, they they come here on a horse and they leave on a cow, and the symbolism there, the, the eggplant's the cow and the cucumbers the horse. The logic is it's like you know get here as fast and then as the you cow can, slowly ones, takes them home. But take your time, yeah. Take your time leaving, yeah. That's pretty cool. I do like that. Yeah. yeah don't don't judge their little their little animals. I didn't say they were bad. I like the idea of them, but I saw them and I was like, oh, you didn't even try. <laughs> oh man. No, but I I really do like that. But after that, usually some of them will, you know, like with a lot of these holidays the religious meaning is kind of faded and in favor of tradition. And so like this has become a family holiday where it's like family reunions. It's kind of less about the holiday now, but some of the more urban areas will invite like a Buddhist priest in and they'll recite the sutra and perform like a memorial service. And they just, and then they'll have a big meal, but the big meal is only vegetarian. And they say it usually includes stewed beans, spinach with soy sauce and sesame, and pickled cucumbers. That sounds really good. The, the, what was it? The, the thing I could eat soy the beans sauce? and spinach. Yeah, well, I guess soy sauce makes everything good, right? Yeah, soy sauce is delicious. <laughs> but the, the big event, the big finale, which is a, what a lot of people go for, and it's something that we've all seen in movies, in movies and media, is... They, they first off, they light the big bonfire to send them away. It was whoosh. Yeah, well, the whoosh. But the big thing is they do the Toro Nagashi. And the Toro Nagashi is, it just means floating lanterns. And this is like, this is a kind of re- relatively newer over there. 
and its popularity is gaining every year. So it's becoming this bigger and bigger thing over there. And essentially they light lanterns, put them on the water and let them float out to sea. And it's to send off their ancestor spirits and they're being guided by the lanterns. I think it's awesome. I would love to see that. It would be amazing, especially with yeah. how big that event probably is now. It's that's something I really want to see. James, when did you visit Japan? Uh, January. Well, never mind that. So, a little far <laughs> off. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that lunar calendar will get you in, in January sometime. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but the lanterns, I, I was thinking, like, you know, we've, we've seen movies where they do the flying lanterns. And yeah. we see them doing the water. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is something I've seen a lot in just media in general. A lot of people do them at weddings now. Yeah. We weren't allowed to, though, because it could set, set the country start on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think flying <laughs> lanterns are pretty dangerous. But the water ones, you know, if, when they burn out, they're going to go in the water. So I don't think there's too much to worry about. Yeah. Unless it goes out to that big trash island in the sea and just sets it all ablaze. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, it's like I said, a lot of this is very similar to yours, Cece. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the only difference is instead of getting dressed up and looking like a skeleton, really, and they just get in a more formal wear, these yukatas, perform these various dances that are different from place to place and have different music, which apparently they've started using kids music, but putting a different beat to it (laughs) in some places. So it's a pretty, yeah, pretty pretty cool cool holiday, but Japan did actually start celebrating Halloween, our Halloween pretty recently going like trick or treat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's as recent as 19. Yeah. They're getting into it. (laughs) Yeah. And it started in 1997. And guess who did it? Guess guess who caused it? Or guess uh, what company? Uh, mm, M&M's. Disney. Come on. What, James? It's got to be Disney. Yep. Oh, yeah. Disney. Are you serious? Disney. Disney celebrated, Disney celebrated, started celebrating Halloween at their, at their Japan location. And people in Japan liked it so much, they transferred they it into their culture it? and they started celebrating Halloween. Disney. Disney. Celebrating you know, the joy of Halloween. It's amazing how much reach Disney has an impact yeah. on our culture. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, that's nifty, Alex. Thank you for sharing everything about Obon. The Obon Festival. The Obon Festival. Thank you, Buddha. I want to go. James, what are you talking about again? I am talking about Samhain, the Celtic Festival. I know nothing about yeah, this. So I know nothing. Share. I just hope it involves sacrifice. <laughs> well, you will not be disappointed. Um, so, <laughs> sort of. Um, so, Samhain is the Celtic precursor to Halloween. Like without Samhain, there wouldn't be a Halloween. And uh, there's some definite commonalities with Samhain and uh, Oban and El Dia de los Muertos. Now, not not nearly as much of an overlap. And part of that is we don't really know all the details because paganism to that extent the 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 lines of tradition have been broken and now all we've got is like neo-pagan quasi connected uh holidays which are not really anything to go on so you know it's kind of been it's it's like the dinosaurs in uh, jurassic park with the toad dna or frog dna you know it's been sort of reverse engineered oh right (laughs) um but one thing that we do know is that fire was involved. And so again, right 
I don't know what it is about ghosts being drawn to fire, but big, big, big communal bonfires were lit outside of homes and they were kept lit all night. That was a very important thing. You did not let it go out because it was basically the, the guiding light for, for the, the dead to find their way back home. And we know, oh. yeah. And we also know that wheels were used as sort of the iconography. And wheels are huge in all Indo-European uh, religion for a number of things. But the wheel represented the sun. And that, that's kind of important. Uh, kind of getting a little off topic here. But, you know, it's important to note that Oban, Samhain, El Dia de los Huertos, every other holiday of the dead, they tend to take place in sort of a post-autumn, post-harvest period. And I think that's important because and it, it goes in hand in hand with the whole wheel representing the sun. Well, what starts happening around that time of year? Daylight starts getting shorter. Right. Nighttime starts getting longer. Yeah, night longer. Plants start dying. It's, there's something almost apocalyptic about it. Uh, if you didn't know that spring was going to come eventually, you would think it was the end of the world. And I think it's, there's a connection there. Well, also another a good example is think of all the animals or animals, all the monsters that we associate with Halloween, with modern Halloween, werewolves, vampires. vampires. These are things that mummies, be, mummies. These are things. Power that, Rangers. Sure. These are things <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be described in one word, I think as liminal. Liminal means half oh. in something and half out of something. It's something that's not perfectly, compartmentalized in a single category uh, think about monsters through mythology too centaurs minotaurs cyclops etc they tend to have human traits they're human but they're not they tend to be alive and also not they tend to be uh, you know, in other words two things at once they are in betweeners they are not where they're supposed to be they're not in the categories they're supposed to be i can't think of a better description for this time of year because, you know, spring is spring and summer is summer and winter is winter. But autumn is not really, you know, September, you've got the leaves changing color and it's nice and pretty. And then by November, it's in just full swing winter time. October is kind of this period where late, late September to early November, in other words, that whole window, things are just kind of in and out. It's not really, it doesn't feel like a particular season. And I think that that the wheels representing the sun and fire representing uh, the, the lost daylight hours really convey that notion. And it goes hand in hand with the things that scare us. Even now, when you watch a scary movie in October on Netflix, you're watching something that's liminal. So in, in some ways, even binge watching Netflix is sort of taking part in that, you know, prehistoric tradition <laughs> of, of celebrating the, the barriers of things breaking down. And there's no greater example of liminality, in my opinion, than Samhain or any of these dead festivals, because what's breaking down really? It's not just the sun. It's not just uh, the hours of daylight or the seasons. It's the barrier between the living and the dead. And that's something that we also see that's pretty universal. I mean, why did the Buddha tell uh, that fella, hey, this is the time to make offerings? Because that barrier is weak. Same thing with El Dia de los Muertos. James. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it! You okay? Good job, James. <laughs> yeah, you just got really deep, and my brain is spinning. <laughs> oh man! But uh, 
<laughs> but uh, one thing that we also think was fundamental to Samhain's celebration was food in accordance with the time period. So like barley stews and things like that. Alcohol, hands down, mead, beer, what have you. Um, but also probably, probably sacrifice. And the real question isn't what kind of sacrifice. It's it's whether or, whether or not they had it. It's really more like what. We do know that hobby horses were not originally toy horses that kids played with. Originally, a hobby horse was you took a horse's head and you wrapped it in a sheet and you, you put a stick through it and you rewrote it to a house's. And that's sort of how Trick or Treat came about was, Ooh. yeah, with, with dead horses. Oh. There's a lot of uh, like weird pagan cultural things involving hobby horses that didn't make it to the new world. <laughs> but you actually, it's, it's kind of funny. What a shocker. It's kind of funny. The Celts celebrated Samhain and then Christians cut down on it to the point that even the Irish who were the ones celebrating it, they kind of stopped. Like it died in Europe. Samhain did. Halloween did. Um, the Christians, they, they tried to make it more of a, an All Saints Day kind of thing, and then it sort of became modern Halloween, and then it just kind of died out. It just stopped being celebrated. Well, some Irish people who were still really, really in vogue with Halloween, they moved to America. And they originally made like uh, jack-o'-lanterns out of turnips, which everyone in the grandma needs to Google because it's terrifying. Uh <laughs> but that's that's what they did. Then they come to the New World and they find this New World crop called pumpkins. And they're like, this is even better, Seamus. We can make really big jack-o'-lanterns with this. And so and so they did. And trick-or-treating just really went through a resurgence in the United States. People loved it. It just, I mean, it just took off up all the way up until the middle of the 20th century. And now you're seeing the Irish and by extension, the whole British Isles, they're starting to celebrate it now. And what's weird about it is, again, this is an ancient Celtic holiday that became a medieval Irish holiday. And now, you know, you talk about it to Brits and, and to modern Irish people and they're like, yes, we're doing trick-or-treating this year because, you know, Americanization. <laughs> it's kind of weird that it's it's got re-imported <laughs> to them uh, through that. And one deity in particular is often associated with the sacrifices that may or may not have taken place during Samhain, uh, aside, of course, from hobby horses, which we do know happened. Uh, and that is Cromcrock. Alex, you may not recognize that name, uh, but you do, because it's Crom. It's Crom, like flipping Crom. Yeah, oh. yeah. a lot of people think that's a fictional uh, god, uh, the god Conan the Barbarian worships. Um, but he's a real god. Can you give me a little insight? Because yeah. I have no okay, idea well, what you're Conan talking about. Conan the Barbarian, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in the, the Conan movies, he worships Krom. <laughs> well, a lot of people think that's a fictional thing, but Krom is actually a Celtic deity. And he's associated with fertility. He's associated with the sun. He's associated with harvesting. And as such, when there's a famine in ancient Ireland, what do you do? You know, where, where are we going to get our barley? Where are we going to get our milk? Well, we got to kill some animals and then it doesn't get any better. Well, we're going to have to start killing some some uh, prisoners of war and it doesn't get any better. We're going to kill our firstborns. It doesn't get any better. We're going to kill our king. No. Sometimes it, that presumably would happen. Now, we don't know for sure, because, again, these are all post-Christianity stories and they didn't really have the fondest view of pagans. And so it could be 
exaggerated or even, I mean, personally, I think that the Wicker Man, for example, which is a real historical thing, I think it was just Julius Caesar, like, propagandizing the Celts. I do not think it's practical to put uh, that many people in a big Wicker Man and set it on fire. <laughs> that being said, Crumcrock is definitely associated with both sacrifice and uh, and with, uh, with Samhain. Um, and also one of the reasons I even wanted to bring up Crom, not just the Conan the Barbarian reason, but also because uh, there's a stone in Ireland associated with Crom. And I just wanted to say the name of it. It's called the Killy Cluggin Stone. <laughs> I, just, I just love that word. It's like my favorite new word now. Um, and it's associated with, with Crom Cult, and, uh, which is also would be a great metal band name, by the way. But uh, but every every episode you've yeah, got one. Right? But uh, one thing that has really <laughs> been uh, sort of preserved in the old world and didn't really make it to the new world, in addition to Old Hob, a.k.a. the Hobby Horse, uh, is bonfires, which we really don't do over here. I think it's interesting that the most fundamentally ancient aspect and universal aspect of Samhain, we don't really have bonfires for Halloween that much in the U.S. And if we do, it's kind of like an afterthought. And also the soul cake which is the creepiest name for the creepiest looking confection yeah. ever. Like, it's funny that in... What is it? It just looks like a like a little scone or something, and it's got like two lines through it, kind of in a cross shape, and it's got raisins or currants in it. But something about it just looks creepy, and the fact that it's called a soul cake makes it even creepier. And we don't have that in the U.S., guys. I want to eat a soul cake. Uh they're, they're super creepy. It's funny that we go out of our way. Like you see all these cake shows in the U.S. Like we're going to make a big cemetery cake using fondant. This is way creepier and it looks way easier to make. <laughs> it does, they don't look that, that uh They just got like intense. the big X yeah. in the middle? Uh, it's a cross, Alex. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a cross. In these pictures, it does look like an X just because of the I way that the, It's just funny that he said that. You know, it's a foot across. But yeah. Um, yeah, they look very rustic. Yeah, there's something creepy about them. I don't know. Like, I feel like there would be a soul in one. You know what I mean? Do you have an, uh, do you have an aversion to Jesus, James? <laughs> 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 oh, man. Uh, oh, and you know, another thing that's, that's common, both in the new and old world, would be uh, playing different games uh, for future fortune-telling divination. You know, Ouija boards and... Uh, uh, you know, bobbing for apples, you know, which presumably you catch one and like good things will happen sort of, uh, or it can even tell you who you're going to marry based on the initials. That's what the I apple. remember. Ah, yeah. Yeah. See? yeah learning about. Yeah. So it's associated with both the dead and divination, which makes a lot of sense again with, with that liminality idea, the idea of the veil being weaker. It also weakens the, the line between the past, the present and the future. So the idea of seeing into the future or the past is, it's more believable this time of year. Hmm. Yeah, that's all I got for Samhain, I think. That's so interesting. Thank you. I, it kind of I I just looked up the turnip lanterns. Yeah, <laughs> they're terrifying. That needs to go on our uh, Instagram for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we we all need to make our own turnip. That's going to oh, be our gonna be our so task. Bad. We're going to make a turnip lantern and we'll post it on the Instagram. There we go. So you guys need to keep an eye out for those. But they look like little, the, at least the ones in the pictures I found online, they look like little skulls. Yeah, they look like shrunken little, heads. Little shrunken heads, yeah. Yeah. Mine will look nothing like that, you guys. <laughs> cool. James, thank you for 
sharing your knowledge. <laughs> so I think CC tries so hard not to say it like that. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm just like I, I think that I might. You just got so deep that my head's still That's spinning. So Very yeah. interesting. Thank you. But you in our, one of our previous episodes, you mentioned liminal, and I remember then I was just kind of like, huh? What, what was that? What was that word you really like to say, James? Again, the rock. The, oh, the oh, Achilles clug and stone. <laughs> <laughs> Killy Clug and Stone. I love that. That is that's a fun yeah, one to I say. Like that too. Uh you guys, this has been this has been a very interesting and eye opening episode yeah, yeah. about Festivals of the Dead. I learned yeah. a lot. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, happy yeah. Halloween. We hope that you if you're listening this morning, we hope you have a fabulous, safe evening. And if you're not listening to this on Halloween, then we still hope you had a good holiday. Mm-hmm. Um is it time to pick our Topic for next week's episode? Yeah. Grab the vase. Spin it around. Pick a good one. Pick a good one. We need a little jaunty tune for this. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. we, we, this is actually a pretty good follow-up for yeah. Halloween. You guys, next week we're going to be talking about poltergeists and ghosts. Ooh. We're going we're gonna to get... Real spooky next week. This is going to be real scary next week. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. I always am. And Alice, you're going to get your, your spooky, scary episode that you want to do for Halloween. I think we actually made the right decision. This was very interesting. This was very interesting. And listeners, let us know how you're going to celebrate Halloween. Reach out to us on Twitter. Send us your costumes. Yeah, send us your costumes if you're dressing up. Or if you go to Japan for the Oban, send us pictures of the, the lanterns. I'm sure Cece will have a picture of Gwen and her outfit on her Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> on my own personal Instagram, yeah. yes, but <laughs> not on the 13th floor. She's going to be a little park ranger. It's going to be adorable. Aww. And Alex and I are going to dress up as bears. Oh, yeah. so cute. Yeah, it's going to be real cute. I knew we were being animals. So I didn't know we were bears. Yeah, you're going to be Smokey the Bear. <laughs> um, James... What are you going to dress up as? Uh, I wasn't <laughs> planning on dressing up. <laughs> He's going to wear the skin of his enemies. There we go. Yeah, I'm going to be riding a hobby horse. You should just... <laughs> oh, my... All right. Well, you know what? I don't think that... I think that that's left me speechless. <laughs> we're um, we're, we're going we're gonna to head out on that. And until next... Oh, wait, wait, wait. We've got to do... We've, we've got to do our social medias and our music. Oh yeah. You guys follow us on Twitter at 13th floor pod and on Instagram where you can see our turnip <laughs> lanterns at 13th floor podcast. Also, if you have any topic ideas, send them to us. We want to talk about what you want to hear. You can send those to us at 13th floor podcast at gmail.com. Our music is by Grant cook. You can find it on Spotify, YouTube music, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to music. And what's it called? Signal. Signal. I knew I was missing something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Do you have anything you want to say before before we leave? Keep your la- lanterns lit. Keep <laughs> your lanterns lit. <laughs> Happy Halloween. And until next time, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it strange. strange. Boom.